Good morning. How are you guys doing today? It is so, so good to see you, and I am so glad that you're here to celebrate with us the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what it's all about. It's why we're here. That's why we have our faith. Man, this is all what it's about. I have a lot to cover in just a little bit of time, and uh, man, I got to keep perimeters, so I'm going to get started. You know what? I grew up Pentecost, and the way I grew up is uh, if you couldn't preach for at least an hour, you weren't, you weren't worth your salt. So that's about how long I used to preach. I mean, it was nothing for, for me to preach an hour, hour and 20 minutes. Man, God wasn't even moving until you were an hour and 15 minutes. And then, you know, you had these three-hour service. Anybody grow up Pentecost? All right, okay. So, But you know what? Something happened that changed all that. I was in a church service a little bit like this. We were in another building. About halfway down to the right, there was a guy sitting there. So I guess I was about an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes into the message, and the guy was getting all fidgety and, and moving around, but, I, you know, God was, had something to say, so I was just, you know, bearing through it. And that was all he could take, man. He finally sighed, stood up, put his arms down, and just turned around and walked out. So I thought, man, I'm just going to call him out. So I'm like, man, where are you going? So he turned around and looked at me on his way out. He said, I'm going to get a haircut. And I said, a haircut? Why didn't you get one before you come to church? And he said, because I didn't need one. That may or may not be a true story, but you get the point. That's why, that's why I don't preach very long these days if you know me. Hey, nothing in life just happens. Everything that you will ever do that's worthwhile, anything that brings fulfillment in your life is going to be as a result of a struggle. In this series that we're calling Struggle, we're looking at the last Days, in fact, the last few hours of the life of Christ. And we're looking at the struggles that took him from the Garden of Gethsemane all the way to the glory of the cross and the resurrection. And hopefully, we see purpose behind our struggles. Hopefully, as we view this, we can see that as God had a purpose for him in his struggle. God has a purpose for you in your life, that it's, not, that it's not just some random thing that you're having to go through, but God will allow you to go through your struggle because he has something for you after your struggle. Let's kick it off with prayer today. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today, and thank you for the opportunity that we have to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speak to us today, and as we eliminate all distractions, may we focus on what you would say to us in Christ's name. And everybody said... I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you look amazing. They worked really hard to fix themselves up for Easter Sunday, so you need to say that. You look amazing. Hey, Hebrews 11 and 2, Hebrews 12 and 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that, set was, that was set before him, he endured the cross. The passion was not the cross. The passion was what was going to happen after the cross. Despising the shame... And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider who? Jesus. Who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your what? In your struggle against sin. You have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Jesus' struggle in the garden led him to something. Jesus' struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane led him to surrender in order for him to face the struggle at Golgotha, then would lead him to the struggle of the grave and to the glory of the resurrection. And as we see that, we can see that, that today, if you're struggling with something, 
If you're going through something, if you're struggling with an addiction, if you're struggling with a sin, maybe it's something that you're facing in your home, maybe you're struggling in your marriage, the Bible says, the scripture says, we are supposed to view or we're supposed to look to Jesus, the founder of our faith, the one that this whole thing is based around. The one that his death, his burial, and his resurrection, because of that, we have the Christian faith. We have our faith, and as we look at that, it gives us hope about whatever we're struggling with. Amen? Look to Jesus, the author and the the finisher, the completer of our faith. Because he lives, we have a hope even in our struggle. As we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to understand Just like anything else, it didn't happen. Jesus had to die in order for him to be raised from the dead. And this thing that we're celebrating, the events that happened 2,000 years ago, the death, the burial, his resurrection, that, that first of all was planned. That was not some random thing. It was planned. And it was planned before the foundations of the world. In Ephesians 1 and 19, it says this, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good, what's that word? Plan. This, these events, as I said before, 2,000 years ago, they were not random. He just didn't die because he happened to be in Jerusalem that day. They were very well thought out and planned. The, the, God's plan and his purpose to fulfill that through Christ. The apostle Paul is telling this church in Ephesus, he's saying, God has now revealed this mysterious plan that was put together before the foundations of the world. I want to tell you something. Your life is not random. God has a plan, and God has a destiny for your life, and it took place long before you were born. And when you give your life to Christ, you begin to walk in that destiny that God has for your life. You are a well-thought-out being that God has predestined. Number two, this event that happened years ago, not only is it planned, but it was prophesied. It was prophesied by the ancient prophets and through their writings over thousands of years. 600 years before Jesus ever was born, Isaiah, the ancient prophet, Isaiah wrote this in his book. Isaiah 53 and 8 says this. Talking about Jesus, he was unjustly condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Now, we know that that was written about the crucifixion and the death of Christ, and there are other passages in Old Testament prophecy that wrote about what Jesus did and the price that he paid. But I want you to pay close attention to this. He was put in a rich man's grave. That was specifically fulfilled in Luke, the 23rd chapter, and the 50 verse, where this... this uh, um, a Pharisee named Joseph begged for the body of Christ and put him in his own tomb. I want to challenge you to find any other would-be Messiah, anybody else that claimed to be Messiah, anybody else that has started any religion. I challenge you to find anyone that has ever fulfilled one prophecy by their life, their death, or their resurrection. You won't find it because Jesus was the only one. Number three, this event was not only planned, And prophesied, but it was also predicted, and it was predicted by the man himself, Jesus. In Matthew 20 and 17, it says this. Now, I want you to listen to how very specific Jesus is to his disciples. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately, and he told them what was going 
to happen to him. Don't miss this. I mean, right before this all went down in Jerusalem, he told them exactly what was going to happen, and he told them in what order. Listen to this. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priest and to the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. I want you to consider how powerful that is. For Jesus, a few days before this all goes down, as he's going up to Jerusalem, he stops his disciples and he says, now listen very carefully because I want, you to, I want to tell you exactly and express to you how exactly this is about to go down. Nobody else has ever been able to do that. I want you to think about if somebody were to try to do that. What if I were to tell you? What if I were to tell you, hey, listen, next Sunday at 10.07 a.m., there's going to be a tornado that's going to touch down in Prague. It's going to go south to I-40. When it hits I-40, it's going to come up I-40. Then it's going to hit Highway 177. That wouldn't be that big of a prediction because that's what it always does. When it hits Highway 177 and I-40, it's going to head south and it's going to go into Tecumseh. It's going to miss all of the, it's going to miss McDonald's and it's going to go down there. It's going to miss Brahms and it's going to go down in there and it's going to just go right down Broadway and Tecumseh. And it's going to happen just the way I said it next week, next Sunday at 10.07. Now, if I were to tell you and say, get ready, it's coming, most of you would leave here, you know, rolling your eyes and say, hey, babe, we ain't never going back to that church again because he's crazy right? But what if next Sunday at 10.07 it rolls around and it happens exactly the way I predicted it? That changes everything. All of a sudden, you're going to be in church, right? And, when I, and, and then I tell you this. I say, hey, listen, I know I predicted this last Sunday, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen next Friday at 6 o'clock. Next Friday at 6 o'clock, there is another tornado coming and this time when it comes up by 40, it's not going to the comps. It's going to Shawnee. And I, tell, and, and I, I told them your address. And I said, it's coming right over your house at 6, pay, 6 p.m. Friday night. Where would you be at 5.30 p.m. You know, Friday night? Well, you'd be in your cellar, cellar right? Because I had, there's some power in my predictions. Nobody can do that. But Jesus did that. And he predicted every bit of this. These things, these events were not random. They were planned, prophesied, and predicted. So that's why this is such a big deal. Now, I want to talk to you for the rest of my time. Why is Easter such a big deal? Why does this matter? To answer this question, I want to go back to John 14 and 6. This was the last night before Jesus would be crucified. John 14 and 6. And he was with his disciples in this little little room. He says this. I am the way the truth, and the life. Now, we all read that, and we just, and everybody said amen, okay? We all get that, okay? But consider that he had not been risen from the dead. He had worked some miracles. They knew Jesus was different, but they didn't, they didn't get all this stuff. But Jesus says to his disciples the night before he is crucified, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Think about if I were to say that to this congregation. Listen, guys, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to heaven except through me. Once again, you stand up, you pack, say, we ain't never going back there. Okay? But if Jesus has been raised from the dead, all of a sudden, these things matter. So let's go back. Why Easter matters. Let's go back to what he said in this one statement, this one powerful statement. 
When Jesus was raised from the dead, if Jesus says, I am the way, here's what this means. It means he is the way. Right? It means he is the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But listen to what he tags on there. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not only does he say, with that statement, not only does he say, I am the way, he also says, I am the only way, and there is no other way. And we see through his teachings in the Gospels that he says, and he condemns all other ways. He says, all other, other, way, all other ways are thieves and robbers. All other shepherds are liars. He says, I am the only way. There is no other path to God. Not long after Jesus ascended to heaven, the New Testament church began to grow and to thrive. And Peter and John were walking to the temple. And as they walked in, there was a man that had been lame for years. And, and over the, you know, I'll put it in a nutshell, he, was, he, he stood up and he was healed. And after there was this big ruckus and everybody was saying, you know, praising God. Peter calms everybody down and he says, let it be known. He says this in front of everybody. Let it be known to all of you. All of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. The builders, the builders, you are the builders, you are the one, the, the nation of Israel, you are the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And listen to this. There, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That is very powerful. This, reason, this is the reason that our faith is so controversial. It's because of those kinds of statements. Jesus eliminated all other ways with his death, burial, and resurrection. And then he teaches this, he says these things to the disciples, and the disciples teach this, and this is what we teach. There is no other path to God except through Christ. And that is a very, that is not a politically, sta- politically correct statement, is it? I mean, you can't say that on the world stage and get away with it. I challenge you, at your next Thunder game, listen to the prayer and see whether or not they're saying in Christ's name. It's too controversial because Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the only way, and there is no other way. But listen. When he rose from the dead, he earned the right to say, I am the only way to God. So he is the way. Number two, he is the truth. Let me tell you what this, why this matters. In John 18 and 37, Pilate said to him, so you're a king? This was when Pilate and Jesus were alone, kind of back in the chambered era, chambers. Pilate said, so you are a king? Jesus responded, well, actually, you say I'm a king. I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. And all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And if you were to read on in that passage, Pilate looks at Jesus and says, what is truth? Because truth in our culture, just like then, truth is all, it's a, it's a moving target. It's all over the place. But listen to me. If someone predicts his death, burial, and resurrection And then he actually rises from the dead. His life is worth studying and his truth is worth following. And that's why we follow it today. Because this is true. Everything else that he said is true. Now, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, everything else that he said would be a lie and I wouldn't believe it. 
But if you predict your death, burial, and resurrection, and then you do that, I mean, you call it, if you will. You call it. You predict it. You call it, and it goes down like that. Then all of a sudden, everything that you say, everything you said before that was true. So here's what happens. The disciples, they go back to everything that they've written about Jesus. They go back, and they try to remember everything that he says, and they wrote it down because they're thinking, okay, if this is true then everything else that he said was true. What else did he say? What in the world did he say? Well, he said that he was the Messiah. Well, is he the Messiah? I don't know. Did he rise from the dead? Yes. Then he must be the Messiah. Well, he said that he was coming back one of these days to get us. Well, is he? Well, did he, did he rise from the dead? Did he predict that? Yes. Well, then this is true. Then we better get ready. He says, I am the way. Well, he must be the way because nobody else can be raised from the dead except for Jesus. All of a sudden, his words matter. And they didn't matter just then. They also matter today. His truth is the only truth that matters. And I've heard people say this many times, and maybe you interact with people often, of course we do, that don't believe in Christ or don't believe that he was the Messiah. He was a prophet. He was a, a good person. Or he was, you know, he was a healer, even a, a good teacher, but he wasn't the, he wasn't the only path to God. I don't know if I believe that that's true. I don't believe that that's true. There are many ways to God. That's your way. That's your truth. This is my truth. Well, I want to tell you something. Truth is unaffected by personal belief system. Don't fall for the trap that your truth and my truth is affected by our personal belief system. That's what we think sometimes. Let me, let me, what if I were to tell you, because we think sometimes that, especially I don't want to dog on millennials, but I hear this a lot from millennials that, you know, truth is relative and your truth is different than my truth and what may be true for you. But can I tell you that that truth, solid doctrinal truth is not affected by what I believe. What if I told you that I have the ability or I've got a secret formula in this bottle that when I let go of this bottle that it actually will not fall, but it will go up in the air. Would you believe me? Based on the story I said at the beginning of the message. You but I, we have actually, we've actually, if I shake this up, there's some kind of a, something in that, that if I shake this up and I let it go, that it will actually fly into the air and not fall. Now, but the deal is, is a big part of this illustration is I really need for you to believe because I believe that your believing in this will make this happen, okay? So here we go. Are you ready? You believe this, right? Come on now, I need you to believe. Humor me a little bit, okay? I'm doing an illustration. Work with me. All right. All right, you ready? All right, I don't, I don't, okay, that didn't work. I don't think you guys are believing hard enough. All right, I need you to believe harder. Believe harder, okay? Here we go. We're going to try it again. Believe with all of your might, because belief is a big deal with this, Okay. You know what? It doesn't matter how hard we believe, right? Because God put a law in place before the world began or when the world began that says no matter what you believe, there's something called the law of what? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what you believe. Truth is unaffected by a personal belief system, okay? And we're not talking about faith in God. That's a different subject. But we have to remember that's why his truth is the only truth that matters. Number three, why this all matters is Jesus said that he was 
not only the way, the truth, but he also said that he was the life, the eternal life. In John eleven twenty five, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Then he also says in John 6 and 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Do you know that before Jesus came to this world, gave his life, and then died, the worst, the absolute worst thing that could happen to your life is death? Would you agree with that? I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about your personal life. The, the worst, the absolute worst thing that you can happen to your life is to be taken from this life, is to die. But Jesus said, if you believe in me, even if you die, you're going to live, and the life that I give you is eternal life. So we all understand that when you give your life to Christ, and we, have, we give an invitation at the end of every service, that when you, uh, you choose to believe in Christ, that he gives you eternal life. But the hope that we have is not only in the next life. I'm all about the hope that we have in the next life. But there is also a hope that is given to us in this life when we face the absolute worst thing that could happen to our lives, and that is death. And I want to read this in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. This is the Apostle Paul talking to this church. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the what? Believers. This does not happen to everyone. This happens to people who have believed in Jesus as their Savior. I want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so that you will grieve like, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Okay? Grieving is a part of losing people in life, but grieving is different for the believer. For since we believe, that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. 16th verse says this. For the Lord himself will come, we call this the rapture. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and will remain on earth And remain on earth, we'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage one another with these words. And I'm going to close with this. This is why this matters. This is what this is all about. Not only in this life, but it's also in this, not only in the next life, but also in this life. The fact that Jesus rose from the grave because he predicted it. Now, the the worst, the the most atrocious the most feared thing that could ever happen to a person has now just become a transition. Are you with me? It was, it, once upon a time, it was the most feared thing. It was the worst thing that could happen to anybody, but now it's simply a transition. Now we have hope in the most hopeless of situations, and that is death. According to studies, 53 million people die every single year. That's 151,000 people who die every single day, 6,300 people die every hour, 105 people die every minute, nearly two people die every single second. Thank you, Travis, for giving us that good news today. We are excited about coming to Faith Go on Easter Sunday. Listen, let me tell you what. Your work gives you a certain perspective about your life. Whatever you do, Your work has a certain perspective that you carry with you every single day. My line of work gives me a certain perspective. I'm constantly confronted by cycles of life. I'm a part of people's lives. When when, when people are born, I'm 
I see people grow up, kids grow up through the kids' ministry, the youth ministry. I'm, I pray with people when they go off to college. I'm a part of a lot of weddings, but I'm also a part of a lot of funerals. I probably see more death types of situations, and I'm a part of a lot of people's families when, when, when family members pass away. And here's what I've, I've seen, that no matter, no matter how much it happens, I mean, it happens every single minute all over the world. No matter how much it happens, it always catches people off guard. It always catches us off guard. I have a question. Is anybody under the notion that you're going to get out of this life alive? No. But we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to face it. Why? Because it seems like the absolute worst thing. But that's all changed with the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything changed because now, because he has been raised from the dead, the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to you or a family member in this life has now become the best thing. It is now the best thing. That's hard for us to imagine. And one of these days when when you pass from this life, somebody here like me is going to do your funeral. And we're going to be really, really sad. And we're going to grieve. And we're going to cry. And we're going to mourn. And we're going to talk about you. And and, and we're we're going to say wonderful things. And I don't know how in the world we're going to make it without you because we're going to be so sad. But that's not what, what it's going to be like for you the minute you close your eyes. As we sang sang that song earlier, there ain't no grave going to hold your body down. The minute you close your eyes in death, you wake up in glory. Everything is different. Now it has gone from death to a graduation, to a celebration. Now you're healed and you're whole and you're surrounded by anybody in your life that you ever lost. Because what was once the worst possible thing that could ever happen has now become the best. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why it was important that he raised, that he was raised from the dead. That's what Easter is all about. Amen? And I hope today you have that hope. I have buried family members. And it's hard. And I know this stuff, but I still hate death. I hate being separated. I hate losing people. I saw this caption one day a while back that said that everything I ever let go of has, has claw marks on it. I hate being separated from people. My, both of my kids are not here for Easter. One of them's in Europe. One of them's in basic training. I, I hate that. I hate not being around people I love. And I know some of you here have lost family members. I hate death. But let me tell you something. Death has been defeated. Whatever you deal with today, whatever you have to let go of because of what Jesus has done, he brings a hope That yes, right now we might have to go through a struggle. We might have to deal with things. But listen, it's only for a little while. It's like Jesus. He said, I'm going to die, but in three more days, it's going to change everything for eternity. And my friend, if you don't have that hope, you can have that hope today in every struggle. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And I thank you, Lord, for the cross and for his death, but mostly for the resurrection. And Lord, I pray that you will speak to every person in this house, wherever we are, whatever we need to encounter or experience from you, especially people who are struggling with something today, especially people today that that don't know you. Whatever we need to receive of you, speak to people today in Christ's name. As your heads are bowed, I want to pray a couple of prayers. 
I first want to pray for those that follow Christ if you're going through something. I want to pray with you, and then I want to pray for those that don't follow Christ. If you're here and you know Christ and he's Lord and Savior of your life, but you feel like you're going through the struggle of your life, you're going through something, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a sin, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's with your kid. As we read before, whatever you go through, you can have a hope if you will focus your eyes on the fact that Jesus endured all of his suffering of the cross. He got through it to show us not only the path of salvation, but to show us that we can face anything in this life, even death itself, and be victorious. If you believe that, and if you accept him. So if you're here today, and you're going through a struggle, let me pray with you right now. If you're seated next to somebody you love or you're close to, if you want to, take that person by the hand. There's power in us praying for each other together. And if you're not going through something, maybe the person sitting next to you is, is going through something, pray for that person. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the right that we have to call on you. And no matter what we face, no matter what our struggle is, because of what you endured, if we will focus our eyes on you, we will look to you as the founder of our faith. You you weren't just somebody that lived in this life. You are the author and the founder of our faith. And you showed us that no matter what we go through, Not only are you with us, you'll take us through it and we can endure every circumstance. Even death itself we can face and we have been victorious. We can be victorious because you overcame even death. So wrap your arms around these people today and touch us today and bring healing and walk through our struggle with us, Lord, and bring victory in Christ's name. If you believe that and receive it, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you don't know Christ and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, maybe you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe at some point in your life you walked away from God, and today you know that you want to be right with God, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. In no way are you going to be put on the spot. I just want you to pray just the way that you just pray. But if I'm going to pray this prayer, I want to know if people are serious about giving their life to Christ. So just between you, me, and God, if you're going to pray with me, and today you know you need to get right with God for whatever reason, just real quickly, put your hand up and put it down, and we'll pray. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ today. And I want you to pray because I'm going to pray with you just to let me know you're serious. I'm, just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, so if you're serious about this, I need to see your hand. Anybody say that? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And I trust that we all live for you and serve you in this house. But if not, Lord, I pray that we come to a place where we will give our lives to you. And Lord, I pray, Father, that we will live and serve you with our lives. And thank you, Lord, so much for your death and your burial and your resurrection. And Lord, thank you because you are the founder of our faith. Bless Faith Co. Church. Bless these people as we celebrate and honor you today on this special day in Christ's name. And everybody said? Amen. Thank you, Pastor.